0: Welcome to Fan the podcast for all those complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives. I am Treyville Anderson.
1: And I am a journalist, author, professor, your mom's favorite, and oh. everybody else. Jerry Hill, welcome back to Fan
0: Now, how'd my mama get into it?
1: Listen, because moms like me. I, as I found uh, over the years, different conversation for a different day. Uh, right. Welcome back to Fanti. We are uh, going to be getting into the moment that we're in right now and what it's like to be covering it as a journalist um, and, and kind of getting into that conversation Ooh. in just a little bit. I know, child, listen. Um, but first, we've got to get into a past the popcorn about a, a young lady that is one of our absolute faves over here on the Fanti. A legend. A legend. (laughs)
0: Okay, in our midst. A reality TV legend, to be more specific.
1: Can we get her?
0: Oh, please cut it out. What? That's a lot of woman. That's a lot of woman.
1: Okay, go ahead. Say who we talking about.
0: That's a lot of woman. (laughs) We are talking about Tiffany New York Pollard, okay? She is currently on another reality show. Actually, she's not on it anymore. Spoiler alert. She got eliminated. (laughs) But she was on a reality show called house of villains and it's all of the you know villains from different reality tv shows so there's tiffany which is a great idea it's an i sure it's tiffany it is tanisha from bad girls club you know with the pants i ain't getting no sleep because of y'all y'all not getting (laughs) no sleep because of me you know legend okay it also has johnny bananas who is from like real world or road rules or like one of those type of shows and then the also equally iconic legend specifically when we're talking about reality tv her other stuff you know it is what it
1: is Omarosa. i mean listen you know what i was you know something that just came up for me as we're Amarosa in the last week, even before this clip came up. Amarosa is one of those iconic guests to have on the first week of your talk show. On the first uh, <laughs> leg of your talk show.
0: Listen, wake it up.
1: Because she came in and showed her ass on Wendy. Listen. She came in and showed her ass on Bethany. Listen. Like, and now she's like, we're first episode of this and she's already showing her ass along with Tiffany. Like, listen. Amarosa's great villain. And now, I don't know how this show works or what the premise is, but like, bringing all of the villains together, I I'm into it
0: yeah so the funny part is i don't actually know how the show works either but i do know that there's a there's a voting out mechanism like every week there are two people who are nominated for eviction very big brother-esque and the other housemates vote the people out right something like that so it is and so there's these two clips that have been going around of these legendary reads that new york has been handing out that i think we we have to discuss so i'm going to play the first one this first one she's talking to johnny bananas
1: new york you made it easy for me new york is there anything you'd like to say in reply
0: if y'all let him send me home, I'm going to run his head through a spaghetti press.
1: My grandmother, rest in peace, grandma, who's Italian, would actually be happy if that was my
0: demise, so. You saber-tooth, hammer-head bastard.
1: <laughs> Hold on. Saber-tooth. Saber-tooth? Hammer-head. Hammer-head. Bastard. Okay. I mean, okay, so some of the reads from New York haven't aged well but they still hit right but like this oh this goes in the canon like this goes as the latest hit like it's an instant classic it's a classic it's a
0: classic right
1: it goes into her i her apple um essentials playlist like it is it is a hit
0: Oh my God. And then that's the first one. That was from week one of the, I don't actually, I don't even know if it was week one, but it was from earlier in the show. And then the latest clip that is going around is New York with some choice words for, <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: For Amarosa. I'm sorry. Saber tooth hammerhead <laughs> bastard. Just hit me one more time. I was, it's just like, I heard it again. Okay. Now what is she, what is she giving us here?
0: I'm the original HBI mother and I deserve my spot here in the House of Villains. So I need y'all to keep me here. I don't want a sympathy vote. I don't need a sympathy vote, but I need y'all to understand the pecking order. (laughs) So you don't want my sympathy vote? Is that what you're saying? Omarosa, I need to hear it, because I need to know. You just said in front of all these people that you did not want my vote. Since I already said that, Omarosa, may I also say that I find you to be a fucking <laughs> Republican. <laughs> guzzling Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. And I sleep better at night knowing that you're not in the White House.
1: My God today. Can I tell you, I live for them both in this moment.
0: Absolutely, actually
1: more for tiffany because not only did you show your ass but then stood ten toes down in it and said let me let me really get you together bitch." before i move on and go home i'm in my last moment with a microphone before me let me let you know what i really think.
0: period because it's like you know like when you have those moments or when you see those moments at least for me i love a reality te- television show i love a reality television show that's also a competition show that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy a big brother of it all because of that last speech that you can give oh, yes. before you know, you know, you're going, you know, you're going home because the writing is on the wall. You know, you're going home and to just go out burning it down, baby. I love those moments as a viewer you know what I mean? I'm just like, yes, New York, give it to her. Say what we all been thinking anyway.
1: <laughs> it was it was delicious. I also love like the subtleties. Um, number one, I love that she said that she was the motherfucking HBIC. I always love when we mix um the initialism and the actual word, like mm-hmm. we're gonna give you B for bitch, but I'm gonna give you motherfucking. I love that type of shit. <laughs> I love the way that she's affecting the hair as she's reading. gathering herself together. I'm also living for Omarosa in this outfit that you would absolutely wear.
0: Absolutely.
1: This outfit that she has on, I don't know if it... I couldn't see the full length of it, but it was like giving jumpsuit or jumper onesie one kind of situation.
0: I love a halter moment.
1: Listen, I was like, oh no, this is definitely a Travell Anderson um, original moment. So I'm all the way here. And I kind of want to watch these first episodes just to see Tiffany, but I, I, I can already tell you looking at the rest of this, it's not going to be for me.
0: Well, so that's what I was going to say. I think... Just from a production standpoint, I mean, when New York is gone early in the competition, do you stick around? I'd be interested to see if if like whatever level of ratings, you know, is impacted by, you know, because New York is great television mm-hmm. and I don't I haven't seen, I should say, any other clips from this show so i don't know maybe there are other people who are interesting and entertaining and keep people around maybe tanisha is
1: is, you know tearing it well i will just say lastly i i would expect to see new york come back right if if you're a reality producer and you see new york go in the first episode and she shows her entire ass like this (laughs) with a twist a twist to the game oh we've got to find a way to get her back in episodes four five six seven You know what I mean? Like, we got to 100%. So, like, yeah. So, let's hope that we'll see uh, New York back here um, on House of Villains because I I just might watch it. Um, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the fan tie. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. A Queer History of Aerospace is a new audio miniseries from the Museum of Flight that premiered this past October. Located in Seattle, Washington, the Museum of Flight is the largest private nonprofit air and space museum in the world a queer history of aerospace explores the ways that the LGBTQ community has shaped aviation and space exploration and the ways the industry has impacted the LGBTQ plus community. Ultimate goal is to encourage people who have been left off museum walls to share their own histories so that together we can start telling the whole story. Y'all know I love, okay, this
0: whole idea of telling the whole story because I don't know about you, but when I think about aerospace, I'm not thinking about queer people Mm. and so to know that there is at least enough of a history for there to be a podcast about it, you know what that means? That's gotta be like a sizable archive. So shout out to the Museum of Flight for putting this together so that we all can learn ourselves a little something something. You can listen to the show at museumofflight.org slash podcast or search the flight deck on your favorite platform wherever you're listening to this one right now. New episode every single Tuesday.
1: Welcome back to Fantai. So this week we are getting into a complex and complicado around uh, the very challenging times that we're living in right now and what we're, what it's like to cover those things. Um, we've had various different iterations of this conversation on our show um, over the years, but this week, has it's been kind of irking me in a in a renewed kind of way. I wouldn't call it a new way, mm. but I went back and listened to our first season. Um, we did an episode with Dr. Joy DeGruy called Tired, and it was right after George Floyd had happened and the world was responding to it in those first weeks of, Jan- of June. Travel you were still doing the show from your closet studio uh, in your apartment in Hollywood. And I remember you say in the episode, I don't know if you all can hear this, but the protesters are going down the street outside my house right now. So like, just to kind of give you a context of where we were in that time. And we were talking about how tiring it was to be going through this moment, you know, in, in the early summer of 2020. Fast forwarding to today, I got a a message from a friend who had uh, sent me a meme of our new house speaker, Mike Johnson, saying some homophobic bullshit that I'm not going to repeat my friend sent me the the meme and was rightfully upset about the comment that the speaker had made, but I just responded back to him with the word pass, right? And like, he was enraged Mm -hmm. and like, I can't believe he said this. And and like, I understood the righteous anger, but (laughs) I also was just like, I don't have it like for this. And like, I don't even know how I feel about saying it out loud sometimes, but like, how are we doing this again? Like. A, a new like Republican leader is coming up and saying some wild shit about homophobia or transphobia or whatever. Like, how many times do we have to cuss about this? Is kind of the feeling that I'm having right now in this moment. Mm. Kind of like those protesters who had signs like, I can't believe I still have to protest about this shit is how I'm feeling in this moment. Mm. It got me thinking more and more about how repetitive it all feels and also how much more intense it feels given how heightened things are in the world. We have wars in Ukraine and in Russia, Israel and Palestine. We have rising authoritarianism threatening a lot of shit around the world. The future looks like it'll be a cross between a Will Smith and a Will Ferrell movie. And I'm concerned about that. What? Listen, Donald Trump is just insisting on getting up every single day. But like, how many times do we jump in the fight? And how many times do we get somebody else to do it. Get somebody
0: else to do it. My god.
1: This makes me think back um as I was saying to that first episode where in the conversation we we open up saying like we're exhausted and tired and I can tell you that we we kind of talked about this a little bit on the show here like the start of the Ukraine war is a moment when I started like really getting engaged in like the coverage and then found myself like really pulling back. What we're seeing happening right now in Gaza in and in, in Israel is making me retreat in that same kind of way. Like I can only watch little bits of news. Mm. And I said to you in our meeting yesterday, like I loved last week when you were kind of running down the <laughs> the, the story. Um, of what was happening in the news because like when we started i was so much more of like the hard news person and you were the entertainment person and now i'm like kind of pulling out of news and you are you know a a a, you do the news every day and i kind of first wanted to get a sense from i know i know um and i remember you say like someone said oh travel was on the news this morning right with what a day and i'm curious to know First things first, like, how is this, how is covering this time for you right now with all of the different things that we have going on in the world?
0: I think, well, so I I think it's important to note that I think how, how you did news in politics when you did news in politics is a different way than how I do News in politics absolutely when I do news in politics, and I don't say that to diminish either either one of our ways of doing it, but just to like contextualize the the doing in and of itself. and so for me, you know, I obviously you know made that noise that I made moments ago um, and that is how I feel largely because so much of my coverage, my reporting, my existence in the work that I do is about bringing myself into the story, right? Um, It's about using my lived experience and the lived experience of people around me paired with, you know, my knowledge and understanding that I have, you know, developed over years of work to be able to, you know... Give the news, do it in an authentic way, make sure people can understand it, but also make sure that we are, you know, being intentionally interrogative throughout that process as well, both of the medium itself and of the the entities that we say we are, you know, trying to hold to account. And so I say all that to say, I'm still tired, (laughs) Um. But I think I've b- I've been tired. Like I'm I'm just still in the same place. It's not a new tired for me, you know. Like I, you you sharing the story about your friend who had DM'd you, you know, in in disgust about that meme reminded me of was it last year? Maybe year before last when the whole "don't say gay" bills was 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 high and when it was in particular starting to impact what was happening in schools Mm -hmm. i remember you know on the show a few different times you were you were so (laughs) you were so activated right with the that righteous anger that you describe your friend having and i remember myself in response being just very like You know, and then I remember us having conversations, right, where, like, you would be like, do you want to talk <laughs> about this on the show this week? And I would be like, you know. And so that's a long way of me saying, like, I, I still feel that way even as I continue to cover the news. But one of the reasons why I keep doing it and why I want to keep doing it is because, one, I think there is an importance for a voice like mine to be doing this type of, of work, right, for John Q. Public in general, more specifically, I think it's important to use whatever voice, lived experience, et cetera, that I have, particularly in the coverage of trans-related issues at this mm-hmm. particularly heightened moment of social, but especially political, you know, vitriol that we are navigating, and <laughs> I think the fact that I am just content with the fact that this one of the things I started telling myself, and this kind of spun from all the girls on TikTok keep saying that you know, and and on Twitter, social media keeps saying that we're tied to living in unprecedented times. You know, you've you've seen all of the all of the memes about that, and as that was unfolding in 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 the populace, I was telling myself. You know, what's really interesting is we are living through a case study right now. I might have said this on the show before. We are living through a case study right now. Baby, listen. (laughs) And when I reframed my lived experience in this moment as living through a case study, it just allows me to carry it a little differently and to move through it a little differently. Because it's like, motherfuckers will be studying intently this era in so many different ways.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. I remember saying on the show, probably in the last year, that there are so many moments I'll be having a conversation with someone about the experience that they're having in these moments. Mm-hmm. And I'll think about mm-hmm. the studies that we'll have a decade from now about this time coming through and out of pandemic. And like what we tracked about people's depression and anxiety, what we tracked about their marriages and divorces, what they tracked about their food and the way that they ate and our weight and our blood pressure, and like Mm -hmm. so many things that we will be tracking over time, right? That like we are making blips on that, you know, on that graph, if you will, right now. Mm. Because like I, when you said like I'm still that same tired from before. Right, like listening back to that episode, I was like, oh, this feels so familiar. Right. Like, oh, we were we were still talking about it in the same way in 2020. And like the the living through unprecedented time piece, like I I said on a Riva Martin show on Monday, and I've probably said this multiple times here, being a part of news media, part of what's been challenging about it for me is, Mm -hmm. you know, after years and years of covering Donald Trump, very much in the same way that you were talking about, like using my own lived experience to be able to share the news like we have that in common in the last few years of my career but like seeing Donald Trump and that coverage, we've been talking about the unprecedented times that we live in since 2015, right? Like, you know what I mean? And we could we could even predate that if we talk about mm-hmm. p- unprecedented times, right? Like for various different reasons. But like ever since Donald Trump came down that escalator, we've been talking about how our politics have never been like this before, right? And again, prior to that, it was plenty of other bullshit. But, like, to continually cover this story, part of what got frustrating for me as a journalist was, like, I remember saying on this air and while I was on the radio, like, I'm running out of ways to say that Donald Trump is trash. And I'm running out of ways to say that this is some bullshit. And, like, I'm I'm feeling like I don't know how else to address these stories because we keep having the same conversation with different circumstances inserted, right? Like, oh, this is the newer version of this. This is the updated version of this. Go ahead.
0: And I think what is so interesting about what we say we have learned from that era, that coverage era in in our news media is that in so many different ways, that is still happening and we it's also important for us to talk about the I feel like when you when 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 we as journalists but also when you are just somebody who is tuned into the realities of people's lived experiences beyond yours Mm. when you are witnessing what's going on in the world and you are also living through it. And then for us as journalists who are covering it, and so therefore are often having to tap into the the Rolodex of our memory of of just history around these particular issues that connect and add context, right, to what we're seeing, living through, and continuing to experience, right? It becomes difficult to then, in my eyes, in my experience continue covering this moment in the same ways that we covered the previous moment. Mm. I think that the responsibility for us as journalists, it shifts with the times. As we learn more, we should make different decisions based on the new information that we have. And so when someone like Jasmine Hughes a writer for the New York Times New York Times magazine award-winning fabulous cultural critic and 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 reporter and all of the things is forced to resign from the New York Times because she chose to she signed on to this this letter that 7500 writers journalists um have signed on to Calling out the poor media coverage of the conflict, war, etc, and calling for a ceasefire and a free Palestine and you know, all the other things. She was forced to resign, or, oh, I, I should say it the way they say it in the, in the press release, which is that they had a meeting, and as a result of the meeting, Jasmine resigned after being told that she violated the Times's policy, right? I will also note that they also note in their press release or in their piece about it that Jasmine had also signed the letter that trans writers and other contributors to the New York Times Mm -hmm. did earlier this year calling out the New York Times' anti-trans coverage, which was also deemed to be in violation of the Times' policy around public protest. And so... I believe that when you do the jobs that we do in the ways that we do, when you live the ways that we live and move through the world how we do, it leads us to make decisions and judgments and understandings on issues that I think we then have to share, but we can't share or that we can't, you know, add those necessary con- contexts or we, I shouldn't say we can't, but many of us struggle to because. You say that a ceasefire is necessary now to, like, cut everything out and people call you anti-Semitic or it's deemed a public, you know, political statement. Right. Um, Advocating on behalf of humanity is deemed a political statement in the ways that I will just add. I'm gonna get off my soapbox shortly in the ways that Black Lives Matter was deemed a political statement at one point, in the ways Mm -hmm. that going to pride parades have been deemed political statements, etc, etc, etc.
1: I mean, as I hear you talk about Jasmine Hughes, it makes me think about our propaganda conversations, in that like, it shows that even journalism and like the ways that we cover stories have a there needs to be an alignment with the state, (laughs) right? Like, um, because like if we recognize like the ways that this conversation about what's happening in Israel and Palestine, the way that that conversation looks around the world, um, as opposed to just in the United States, it is alarming right the idea that speaking about it is also seen as anti-semitic and that it is something that will make you lose your job and it is like a a huge a a huge you know uh, contentious moment to be able to talk about how what's happening in Palestine and to to the people and to the innocent people in Palestine is not okay it's 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 a really complicated kind of thing. I know you wanted to say something here.
0: Which is not to diminish, I want to be clear, because this does have to be said, which is not to diminish, right, the very real levels and experiences of anti-Semitism that are happening absolutely right now, right? And have been happening for, you know, however long. And it is wild to me that, for example, CNN has embedded... With the Israeli defense forces and the way that they've been able to do that is by agreeing to run all footage by the Israeli defense forces before airing it. Oh my God. That is wild to me.
1: Just journalistically. Come on now. Right. Removing the politics from it and however you see. Yeah. You know. Israel and Palestine, and and all of that, just from a journalistic standpoint, that's wild. I hadn't actually heard that. Um, So that is... It's wild. That's that's deep. I think to our point here about, like, covering these times, you talked about how, you know, how important it is to have a voice like yours right now covering these stories, whether it be from, like, stories happening around the world, but also, you know, specifically to, like, trans and, and queer issues. And, like... I know for myself, I, the conversation that I've been having lately is, like, how do I want to use my voice going forward? And, like, obviously our show is ending here. And, like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, what are the things that I want to do after this, um, even in the making of the decision of, like, of wrapping up the show. But, like, I find for myself that, like, I'm having a hard time with, like, what I think is my my role, my the way that I participate because, like, it is something that I have found to be like really, really detrimental to my my mental health. Sometimes to be engaged in this work, um, whether I be talking whether I'm talking about journalism and the coverage of news, but also like producing media and being being a voice that you know people are responding to, and then people want to come up to me and talk about it and all these other things. It's something that I'm I'm having to think a lot more about, and not saying that I want to be out of it completely, but like I want to be thoughtful about how I engage it next. And and being able to show up in the world in a different kind of way um, or in other ways that I've shown up before. But it's something that is in the forefront of my mind as we continue through, you know, these quote, unprecedented times.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the mental health piece of it is also like very real because it's a lot of shit going on, um, like even beyond the the work of it all that it can be for us. It just as as regular people who are also having to, you know, because because everybody, right, Mm -hmm. everybody is navigating the the wildness of this moment. And for those of us with various careers and connections and whatnot, right, to these 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 issues, we're dealing with it with it multiply. Um, I wanted to also note that NBC News has also acknowledged that they're going to, you know, share footage with the IDF um, before airing and like all of this other stuff. It's just really, it's just really interesting to see where this moment has, has brought us. And I think one of the ways that we push through is by, ice. if you need to step back, step back, you know, like my my one one of the reasons why I have been so against, you know, having some of those these discussions right on the pod is because I do that over there already. My God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I did that. OK, three times that week. You know what I mean? Because 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 part of it also is, you know, these are these are the headlines. These are major stories because of said unprecedented time so you have to cover the update for the 15th day in a row about the death and the carnage in gaza you have to cover every school shooting you have to cover every, you know and we were in a pandemic make sure y'all get y'all boosters
1: okay I, um... if you believe in the vaccine right like because that's an argument too right <laughs> right there's that <laughs> Um, But like, I mean, even even as we're talking about covering these times, like, I think whether we're talking about Israel, Palestine, or if we're talking about, you know, democracy and Donald Trump, right? Like, we're in this interesting moment where Donald Trump is such a such a conundrum for news media, because in 2016, there was a lot of conversation about how news media really helped him to win, right? and i think as we look at this tri- at these trials oh not this the donald trump testifying earlier this week uh in court and you know seeming i know right seemingly you know being in other trials and things like that in in the months and seeming years to come um there is like a conversation that we're continually having about like how the news media covers it and what the role of the news media is to you know participate in in the coverage of it and like i I go back and forth with myself about being on shows and talking about it and being a part of the coverage, like, because I think it is important that we know what's happening and that we're aware of the ways that, you know, justice looks for him versus the way that it looks for other people. And I think that covering those stories through our lens is important and being able to bring our perspective to it. And also, like, my God, I'm so tired of Donald Trump. Like, I don't know my God. what to do here because, like, I, as I said on Monday uh, on a Riva show, like, I don't know who the Trump voter is who is voting for him right now and, like, has made that decision and would be moved by him being convicted, right? And, like, would be like, oh, I'm going to change my vote now because he was convicted. And that's deeply concerning to me. Yeah. (laughs) Go
0: ahead. Well, I was going to...
1: Trump is so exhausting
0: as a a, a news figure. Mm -hmm. But I was going to note that, right... It is interesting to have this conversation specifically about the trump of it all because right the the conversation around this election year that is coming up in this moment, right, where all of the foolishness with Trump is going on as all of the
1: the the <sighs> conflicts overseas
0: <laughs> questionable responses of the Biden administration to. This conflict as seen through the eyes of a host of progressive minded folks um, who either voted for him or are more likely to vote for him than the other dude saying that this was this is their last straw saying that, you know, the fact that the Biden administration is trying to thread this line of supporting Israel, but also trying to, you know, get them to let aid into, you know, Gaza, it's just like you you either care about the people or you don't. You you can't can you have both? And you know, obviously, they want to get rid of Hamas, which they see as a terrorist organization, and you know, all of that and the violence and you know the carnage on on both sides, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I wonder, people might not be voting for Trump, but I wonder about, is this going to be the year that a third-party candidate seriously has, like, a chance chance?
1: We'll see. They'll probably just vote for Trump. Mm, I mean, I... I don't know that a third-party candidate is going to be the thing that comes out of this, but, like, who knows, right? Like, I don't know if you heard, but we're living in unprecedented times. Um, And so it's— They ain't voting for Joe Biden, they say. Well, I mean, we're going to see, right? We also have another year left before the election. And, like, as you talk about Joe Biden and, like, the conflict of, like— us continuing to provide things to Israel as far as weapons and money and support and, you know, um, unwavering support as the president put it, but also supporting Palestinians with minimal (laughs) humanitarian aid. Um, like it, it is that same conversation that I think that we were we, we began this conversation with with George Floyd, right, where we were having conversations around state, sanction, state sanctioned violence against a person who was like mm-hmm. seemingly unarmed, you know what I mean, or people that that cannot defend themselves against the state, and it's like I I'm I'm having really conflicting feelings about it about it all and like trying to cover it all. So
0: well, hopefully we didn't get canceled.
1: We want to hear from y'all. Let us know what your thoughts, feels are. Hopefully, Travel didn't get us canceled. Um, hit us up on social media using hashtag #FantiFam. We're on the Twitter X, the... The Instagram, the TikTok. He's giving Palmira Muniz. Uh, that's not what I was giving. Don't be racist. Uh, coming up, why y'all hate us so much and listener feedback and our listen. You can't start doing accents in the middle of a sentence. Just what are you doing? That's what you did. You did the accent. That's not what I did. That's not what I did. Roll the tape back. I don't think. Roll the tape back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Go to break. <laughs> Hey, Sydney, you're a physician and the co-host of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, right? That's true, Justin. Is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician? no Justin that is absolutely not true uh, however our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past as well as some current not so legit healthcare fads
0: so you're saying that by listening to our podcast people will feel better sure. and isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor well uh, you
1: could say that but and our it, podcast is free yes it is free you heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine, right here on Maximum Fun, just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor, but but pretty good. It's up there. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese? Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal, only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this.
0: Welcome back, beautiful people. Now we're going to get into our listener feedback segment. We have an email here from Jill, subject line, great episode on visibility. Jill says, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, but it gets to a whole new level with your guests and especially dr diet the discourse among the three of you is fantastic and this episode particularly shines i really get a lot out of your podcast since it is both funny and poignant at times thank you for putting this important work out into the pod sphere
1: nice i mean obviously dr diet listen like we can't go wrong there the icon living okay
0: if any of you there out there, as y'all know, we are winding down this Fantae fabulousness and we are collecting thoughts, reflections, experiences from you all, our fabulous Fantae fam. If you would like to drop a little quick voice memo, you can go to speakpipe.com slash and do it directly from your phone. It's super easy. We've got the link also in the show notes. Drop us a line or two, okay, so that as we come to the end, we can share... With with the world this wonderful archive of creation that we are creating and we would love you all to be part of it so do that alright cause we got what a, 7 8 more episodes to go something like that okay so do it now don't forget
1: what accent was that that you just threw in there in the middle of your sentence it felt racist to me
0: oh that wasn't an accent that was just how I talk
1: <laughs> now it's time for our honorable mentions these are the stories <laughs> Or people that got our attention uh, <laughs> this week that deserve a call, either for their good or for their stupid. Trayvon, what you got?
0: Um, I just have one, and this is for all the folks who watch Big Brother. Um, while you all are listening to this, today, I believe, will be the finale show. And so, I'm not spoiling anything. What I will just say is, Jag is about to win and while this is a yay for representation, ugh, I hate it. Oh no! I just really, I I just want, I just want Bowie, Jane, and Matt to stand up. Okay, I just want them to stand up.
1: Wait, which one is the old lady that was buying the groceries? Well,
0: that's Mama Fee, but she just got eliminated, um, this past. Oh, I'm sorry. This past uh, Sunday, she made it to the top four though. Um, a legend in her own right mama fee anyway i just want to say that big brother has continued to be entertaining to me this year it could have been a lot more entertaining long term and i'll give a special shout out to james um J- what is james's last name james is a you know friend of the community friend of of uh friend a uh, close friend of shars actually um who does a virtual big brother live over zoom and he you know he gets just different people uh, and it's all black folks you know he gets different people to be the contestants it's all over zoom it's over the course of like two maybe three hours they go through the different challenges it's like and it's, it's so fun so entertaining and so shout out to him um james earl jones james something like that we i'm i will have palmyra put james's tiktok he put a, he posted a couple recaps on TikTok. I will have Palmira put the TikTok for James's virtual Big Brother live, which you can get on his YouTube. You can watch the playbacks on his YouTube page um, in the show notes that y'all, so that y'all can check it out. Sorry, I stumbled all the way through that,
1: but um, go ahead, Jared. Want to give a shout out to the film Rustin that's going to be um, coming to you all on Netflix on November 17th, telling the story of Bayard Rustin, civil rights hero who, you know, most a lot of black queer community is familiar with, but a lot of the mainstream world is not. Played by Coleman Domingo, um, the film uh, takes a look at Rustin's, um work into uh the the march on washington and in his contribution there um and so please make sure to go check it out it is produced by Barack and michelle obama's uh production company higher ground uh it also stars alongside coleman domingo chris rock jeffrey wright audra mcdonald it is it's a really really uh, great time so go check that out on netflix starting november 17th what what
0: what well i just have a, a a quick personal plug i don't know if i should be saying this yet although by by when this episode comes out by thursday this should be public um but it's related to the Bide rusted movie coming out on netflix um I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. am working on a limited series podcast called The Official Rustin Podcast for Netflix, with Netflix, and breaking down the the movie by Rustin, the civil rights era during that time. It's really good. And so go subscribe to it. Uh, the first episode, first two episodes will come out on the first day that the movie is available on the platform which is november 17th but right now you can check out the movie in the theaters um also you know sag after strong i'm not a member but you know just say it
1: (laughs) i am and those lines are so weird especially like from journalists to like the other side. Um, I also uh, want to shout out uh, Clay Kane and Reese Colbert, who are hosts over on XM series, uh, Sirius XM uh, Satellite Radio on Urban View. Uh, they are on a national tour doing a show called Beyond the Mic, um, and they just wrapped up their tour here in Los Angeles. And it was such a fantastic time getting to see them with their audience and uh, participating in some of the games that they are doing. Um, and it was just a really fun black ass time here in, uh, here in LA and I wanted to give them both a shout out. We are, um, uh, hopefully going to see them going on tour again next year. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. I also want to give an honorable mention to the team over at World of Wonders' new show, Sissy That Psyche. Um, They describe the show as best girlfriends Neville, David Brandon, and Dr. Matthew Brinkley, giving a play-by-play breakdown of the legendary drag race meltdowns and kind of getting into what's actually happening. And they're just the cutest most adorable like group of people um, having this conversation and i think you're going to enjoy it especially if you're into the world of wonder um drag race kind of universe of shows and so their show just premiered this week and want to give them a shout out it is now time for black history is happening every I just say there are people that don't realize that's not you singing it every week. <laughs> and every time I listen back to the show, I always forget how long you hold that note, and like it always takes me aback.
0: Please be for serious. Please be for serious, all y'all. Whoever's out there, believe so that. Sorry. Please be for serious. Please and thank you. Love you much. Um. Okay. We're wishing a happy birthday to Alexa Kennedy, or is it Kanadi? Probably Kennedy, who was the first black woman to become a neurosurgeon in 1981. She also co-invented the programmable anti-siphon shunt, a device that treated fluid buildup on the brain. Black women in STEM, baby, okay? come on a university of michigan alum she specialized in pediatric neurosurgery and was the chief of neurosurgery at the children's hospital in michigan in 1987 after years as a successful neurosurgeon she retired in 2001 relocated to florida with her husband her retirement was short-lived however when she learned there were no pediatric neurosurgeons in her immediate area and so she began to practice part-time at pensacola's sacred heart hospital she officially retired in 2012, continues to advocate for young women to pursue careers in medicine and neurosurgery. She once said, the greatest challenge I faced in becoming a neurosurgeon was believing it was possible. Now, in my head, uh, uh, you know uh, what they call them, a, p- a pin drop? Is that what it's called when, when, uh, um, when you drop the pin on the, on the record player, on the vinyl? I don't like where this is going needle drop so the needle drop that just popped in my head as i finished that that quote i hate to say but i have to you know call myself to the carpet you know i'm not perfect was impossible is nothing by iggy azalea
1: you could you did not have to be accountable to that you didn't have to
0: i have to i have to
1: okay fair enough um but before we go we want to let you know about a few different things i know this is random but i want to shout out to our listeners happening in the uk listening in the uk um specifically in london i'm working on coming to london um uh, in the next little bit here so for those of you that are in london hit me up in the emails fanti at maximumfund.org or jared at jerryhill.com um because i want to connect with you
0: i am say don't do max don't do fanti because that'll come to my inbox too don't do that
1: fine jared at jerryhill.com so that you don't annoy Travel um and their sensitive <laughs> inbox um but we we don't want that we have a brand new book that is available free to check out if you haven't heard of it historically black phrases from i one of your little friends to who all gonna be there it is available wherever you buy your good books and your bad books as well check it out um, go get it and uh we also are gonna be oh we're both holding it up is that what we're doing shout out to the youtube um you can check out our book go ahead and we just need to say it's holiday time. Okay, this
0: will make a great Chris Mahana Quantica gift. Okay, for whomever in your life, especially the black people. Okay, so go ahead and scoop it on over to your favorite local black owned independent bookstore and get you a copy of Historically Black Phrases. Now, if you want signed copies, okay, you gotta go to our homies over at Reparations Club. We actually we actually have a meeting scheduled with them to go sign some more copies for the holiday rush. Okay, so if you want signed copies, go to Reparations Club. They're a black woman owned spot here in Los Angeles that we love. They listening to the podcast right now. This is not an ad also. So but, you know, they're fabulous and amazing. Anyway, go and get you your copy and your friends.
1: The link to be able to get the signed copies from Reparations Club or from any other retailers as well are all available on historicallyblackphrases.com. Um, you can get it wherever you get your books. But stay away from Amazon if you can help it. Wow, I'm not saying that. Um, also, we are going to be going on tour um, next year, early in the year, with um, a game show for <laughs> on YouTube. They're saying like all kinds of different things that are happening over on your side. <laughs> A fist, a breath, a gasp, like, what is happening? (laughs) Um, But if you're interested in seeing us on tour in February or throughout, uh, starting in February, I should say, next year, um, go to historicallyblackphrases.com. There's a link there to sign up for emails because we're going to be keeping you all posted on the game show tour that we're going to be on with um, each other. So check that out. Historicallyblackphrases.com is the website what
0: yes and also if you just want to you know we should say right we are winding down the show if you want to stay in touch with us stay abreast with what we're doing both collectively and individually also go to com and sign up for the newsletter you'll be able to you know get get periodic updates we're not gonna spam y'all because y'all know i'm I just made the comment about my inbox, so, you know, I ain't gonna, we ain't gonna spam yours, but if you want to stay connected to...
1: Listen, we be tired of emailing each other, so we ain't gonna be spamming y'all. <laughs> Listen, my God.
0: So, yes. So, do that. In addition to Historically Black Phrases, you can also grab a copy of my book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. Get it, Jared? There we go. Booyaka! um that also makes a great gift i would say for the cinephile in your life for the black trans person in your life or trans person in your life for the queer person in your life okay for the queer person in your life who has not said they're queer but you know they've been living with their roommate for 30 years it really makes a good gift for everyone okay
1: we're not outing people with gifts
0: I mean everybody could make use of this information no matter where you uh fall on the identity spectrums okay I mean again it's available wherever you get good and bad books <laughs>
1: all that said if you're watching us on the youtube and you are checking us out for the first time or are new to the show um we've got this is our fourth season of the show only our fourth season is on youtube we've got three seasons of other fantastic shows that you can check out go to fanti podcast.com if you have a comment or a suggestion about this week's show we're at fanti podcast on the instagram on the twitter x on the tiktok on the youtube using the hashtag FantiFam. And you can email Travel directly by going to fanti. You can email fanti at maximumfun.org. <laughs> <dot> <laughs>
0: Yes, and as always, we want to give a plug to our network, Maximum Fun. If you would like to become a financially contributing member of the, the last few months of the fantai fam, but also if you want to support the worker-owned co-op that is our network, Maximum Fun, you can do that at MaximumFun.org slash join. Our music is brought to you every week by Corice, C-O-R dot E-C-E, wherever you get wonderful music. Our graphics by Ashley Wynn and the folks over at Moonhouse Creative. Our editor is Anne-Marie Huber and our producer is Palmira Muniz.
1: And our singer-producer is Laura Swisher. <laughs> this is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun, a worker owned network of artist owned shows supported directly by you.
0: They called you a saber tooth hammerhead bastard.
1: Saber tooth <laughs> hillbilly bastard? Like, oh my God, it's so good.